0: Welcome to another episode of the Redeemed Man podcast. The goal of the redeemed is to provide a supportive community where all men can open up about challenges, worries, and failures, and celebrate their triumphs over those struggles. We hope you find this episode
1: informative, relevant, and most of all, inspiring. Enjoy.
2: Welcome. I'm Paul Amos, founder of the Redeemed. The Redeemed is a community of men, of all men who've come together to discuss life's triumphs and difficulties. And so we come here today to talk about Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We're very blessed to have two very special guests, both Scott Donahoe and Jonathan Carastory who are talking to us as both a board member as well as a director here in our community. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's an honor. And uh, what an amazing thing your organization has done I want to start today by getting a little bit into your backgrounds, mm. but then I really want to get into the heart of what FCA is doing in our community and the stories that you've seen uh, in terms of the profound impact it's had on both coaches as well as students' lives. Mm. Jonathan, I'm, I'm going to put it to you first, if you don't mind, and then and then I'm going to let you all do a little bit of deciding uh, as I ask questions about what you feel you best mm. talk about uh, but Jonathan, tell us a little bit about how sports uh, paved the way for your background, how you got into sports, and what it's kind of meant to you.
1: So I really started playing sports at the age of eight years old. Um, and most people's standards, I didn't pick it up as quickly uh, as a lot of people, but I came to my stepdad at the age of eight wanting to play baseball. And that was a running joke. And <clears throat> That was a running joke. In the family, because I don't think I had an athletic bone in my body. (laughs) But it it came to where it's something that I really loved and, and worked hard at to the point to where I was playing pretty much all sports. And then when you get into high school, I was specializing in baseball and football. And then that ended up being to where I really just specialized in playing football. I was a quarterback there. And I would say that sports really shaped my life um in several ways which is why I'm involved in the ministry that I am some ways not really good um but praise the lord that um he redeemed me from that as far as just putting your entire worth into a game without realizing that my worth is found in what Christ did for me um but it took a near death experience back in college for me to figure that out
2: wow near-death experience. That's something we're going to have to catch up on before we get through with this interview. But Scott, as someone who volunteers and does this, uh, but also is a state championship leading baseball coach here in our community. uh, Tell us a little bit about your sports background and what's brought you uh, and into both sports and to your faith.
0: Sure. Well, similarly to, 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 um, J.K., Sports was my life when I was young. I mean, as a as a young man, I had I had I had, you know, we spent all our time outside. You know, mom and dad, they were like, they, we didn't have all the video games and all. Then we just played ball. Everything we could play, everything was a competition, and we played. and And I figured out pretty early that I was pretty good at sports. Various sports, played multiple sports throughout my life and um in, in my teenage years. But really, the sport that I that I clung to that I played the best was baseball and that ended up giving me an opportunity to play at the high school level and at, at a high level at the high school level and and experience it and like Jonathan you know I experienced some highs and some lows through sports and and learned a lot about myself and and as I've learned about who God later on is in my life and and what what the true foundation and core of living is even all about I've seen how sports can be so impactful so for me you know, I coach, I coach high school sports here, coach high school baseball here at a local school, and uh, the reason, one of the main reasons that I'm a part of it is for the opportunity to have an impact on these young men and give them perspective um, beyond the sport they play, and for in our case, it's baseball. But love baseball, want to make you the best ball, p- baseball player we can, but man, I want to show you there's so much more to who you are <clears throat> than who you are on that field. Yeah. Um, so that's it for me.
2: Wonderful. Well, I'd love to get from both of your perspective, Mm -hmm. what resources and really support does FCA supply to both coaches and students Mm. in this area? So we are a
1: 10-county ministry as far as the West Central Georgia FCA, reaching about 2,000 students and coaches weekly um, across 54 middle schools, high schools, and colleges. Um, a lot of the, the main um, resources or small groups that we have are called huddles, and they are in the schools. Um, and huddles are uh, basically a small group that uh, students and coaches can attend um, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, depending on how the structure um, is at the school. But we've got multi-sport huddles. We've got sport specific huddles with teams, coaches' huddles, Um, And then there's just many other resources that FCA provides, like athletes' Bibles, coaches' Bibles, sports Bibles. Um, One of the famous things about FCA is The Four, um, and it's basically our elevator pitch, per se, of the gospel. Meaning God loves you, sin separates you, Jesus rescues you, how will you respond? So you'll see a lot of those wristbands out there um, as easy ways to basically share your testimony and share the gospel um, but there's endless um, ways and creative ways that FCA utilizes to reach every coach and athlete for the gospel and lead them
0: through the gospel. Amazing.
2: Mm. Scott, anything you
0: want to add? Yeah. I mean, for me, what FCA has been able to do, because Jonathan talked about it, I'm, I'm on the board and serve with him in FCA, but I also lead – uh, in those huddles at at Calvary, and have been able to be a part of huddles in various schools in our community. What I think it does is there are coaches out there in our community that really see the value of of their faith and how their faith plays out through sports. But they they are wanting help, and they're wanting they're wanting others to come alongside them and help be a community to their teams. And and FCA it just does an incredible job. At saying, "Hey, coaches, you guys, you guys do some great things on the ball field, but you may not be as comfortable in, in in grabbing a hold and handling this area. We would love to come in and partner with you, and we just come in and work alongside programs and schools and, and, and communities, and just show them through the resources that FCA has, because that's the other thing. FCA has so many resources to provide um, to help make your point or to 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 give the 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 value and the services to these young men and women and and um it's a great organization i that's why i put my time into it because okay. i just the lives i'm seeing impact when you go to a huddle and you're watching kids from all sports who they don't have to be at school for another 45 minutes and they're their first thing in the morning because their hearts are stirred and they okay. want to learn more about god in their life personally and how they can honor god through sports and and, and they're just curious and it's just a a neat thing to be a part of
2: I was unfortunately not present at a school going, growing up that had FCA mm. as an active on its campus. So just for the background of people who know, this is free. This is voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> this is an opportunity for people to come and through their sports, learn about Jesus and learn about the impact of Christ in their lives. Uh, kind of, and, and, mm. and you all are, are giving them the opportunity to learn and to grow in their faith. Is that kind of the, the, the figurehead of the top line story of what we're talking
0: about here? Absolutely, that's the case, and and for a lot of them, there are there are young men and women that will attend an FCA huddle or attend an FCA camp who've never been involved in a church, never had the gospel presented to them ever, have a stirring inside of them and an emptiness that we know about, a void, and they just don't know. They've always known. You don't usually have to tell them they have that. They they get that, but they don't know <laughs> what to do with it, and that's where we're able to come in and just be direct and be open and be loving and honest and just show them hey let's tell you who God says you are mm-hmm. and and boy it's it's pretty powerful yeah and i think another important thing to add is when we talk about
1: FCA we're not we're most certainly not talking about just staff we mm-hmm. are a volunteer intensive ministry so we depend on staff board members volunteers donors well, one of the huge areas um, that I love about FCA is the concept of character coaches. Yeah. And so um, legally, we're allowed to be into the schools, and our mission is to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And that is so critical um, going out into the community and allowing um, churches uh, to realize that FCA is not. For staff, there are schools that are begging for the opportunity to take the church and bring it into um, their campuses. And FCA is just a way to do that, to partner with youth pastors, senior pastors, anyone who has a passion for the ministry, for us to give the ministry away um, and just really focus on the Great Commission, because with our mission statement being every, we truly mean that, because every means every, and it takes the entire community to reach that.
0: Yeah.
2: You've both hit on the idea of culture just now. And I'd love to just talk about how FCA breaks down cultural barriers and it opens up an opportunity in schools that sometimes may not have that as a big part of its life. I mean, Scott you coach at a Christian school, yeah. which gives you a you know, it it, it seems like a laydown for FCA to be <laughs> at a Christian school. But you're also as as JK mentioned in over 54 schools, if I Mm -hmm. heard that statistic right. And a lot of those schools are public schools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those schools don't have in their charter or in their, uh, you know, kind of mission the fact that Christ is at the center of it. So talk for a minute about breaking down culture and and, and bringing uh, something so unique to schools.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing about breaking down culture is just to do what Jesus commanded us to do, and that's to— love God and love people. And so when we have an FCA event, a lot of people might not know what that is in the beginning, but I think, and this is all credit to volunteers um, and to our staff and, you know, those who come and serve the way that these students and coaches um, are shown uh, love, the love that can only come from the Holy spirit um, and the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ, I think is something in our community um, really in our entire world that so many people are searching for. Um, and it goes back to that point that you made about, you know, a void to yeah. uh, where they know something's missing. They just don't know what that is. And it's just our, um, it's really our calling and not even as FCA as a ministry, but as the body of Christ, all yeah. of us together to utilize any platform that we can in this particular sports um, to really just share that gospel message of um, redemption and restoration and that love story that Christ has for them. I think as far as breaking down the culture um, of that, it's just introducing them to love. We don't, mm. We're don't, we not asking anything from them. We don't necessarily even want anything from them, just besides their eyes and hearts to be open um, to how much God loves them and how much He cares for them. And I think that a lot of people really are searching for that.
0: Wonderful. Let's go, man. Let's
2: yeah. go. That's good. That is really good stuff. <laughs> so let's take it back a little bit and let's just talk about for you guys who are so into sports, who it has been a passion mm. of your lives. What are a couple of those great sports moments <laughs> that led you to where you are today? I mean, if you think about historically or as a coach, uh, you know, what are those things that really uh, – one of those one or two moments that keep you coming back and keep sports at the heart of this? We know that Christ is at the heart of this
0: mm-hmm. and that that's what drives you. But what, what drives you for sports? Wow. Uh, for me, you know, um, I've been able to experience some great moments. I've been at, at, at Calvary and, and through with the baseball program now going on nine years, and and we've won a state championship the last five. So the last five wow. years in a row – we've been able to win a state championship. And um, and you would think – I mean, I have uh, four rings at the house sitting there. We're waiting on the fifth. They're being sized, and we should have them soon. But I'm sitting out in my office at home, and and I'll look at those rings, and you would think that would be it. And that that's so far from it. Those, those things, uh, you know, uh, for coaches out there who are listening and you're thinking, man, the goal is to win championships, man – I've I've been a part of some special opportunities to win championships and those don't do it. It's 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 the people, man. It is the relationships what keeps me coming back is is because I know the heart of young people. God's called me to serve young people and pour into their lives and I and I remember positively and negatively how my life was impacted as a young person, but I also remember how much sports impacted the way I thought about myself, the way I thought about life. And I just think it's an incredible opportunity to be able to come in and talk to athletes because mm-hmm. athletes are, are um, gifted. And sometimes when you're gifted, you mistake your giftedness for your worth. Mm-hmm. And and that's a roller coaster ride. That's a you're you're attaching your value to how how did I do last night? How did the game go? How did this go? How was my practice today? I see it over and over again with the young men that I work with. You you will watch their body language and their emotions and I can tell you what kind of day they had. And it's being able to take them beyond that and show them because the the the, the enemy, the devil himself, he wants us to to dis- <clears throat> be distracted. And I think the number one way that he distracts us is to get us to focus on us. and when we focus on us, we're missing so much. And as athletes, it's very easy to focus on yourself. And so my goal and my passion is to come in and say, hey, let me tell you let me let me help you with some truths and let me change your perspective because if I can change your perspective, I can help change your I can help change the way you look at your circumstances and I can help change the way you look at life. So <clears throat> for me, sports is just a way because I relate to it so closely, to be able to to, to use use um, what they're going through in, in sports and be able to show them that that there's a different way to look at this. And if you'll look at it, it'll not only help you now, but it'll help you because this game is going to say goodbye to you. You know, This game yeah. is going to say goodbye at some point. If your identity is in this game, you're going to be in trouble. But if I can show you how God's gifted, given you this giftedness and this talent for a reason and there's a purpose beyond it, it'll change everything.
2: Okay, so before we pass it over to
0: J.K., yeah, Five
2: Rings is like Bill Belichick and uh, Nick Saban over here. I'm a football guy, so yeah. I'm going to put it in there. I know you far exceeded Bobby Cox. So, uh, oh, wow. so, I mean, does it ever hit you? Do you ever have that moment where you say what we've built here is is a legacy mm-hmm. and what we've built here mm-hmm. is a dynasty? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, obviously God's blessing you all for all the good things you're doing. Uh, but what's it like to be a five-time running state champion?
0: Uh, it's it, a lot of things that have gone our way, um, circumstances wise. You know, I, I would argue that there were some teams that came along before we won our first state championship that really helped pave the way. I mean, we had some very talented athletes and good players, but but Calvary was a team that um. If I remember correctly, Steve Smith is the head coach at Calvary and he's the one that leads our program and he's been there two years before me. And when they brought him on, they hadn't won a region game in like five years. So wow. they, they, they were they were just irrelevant in, in um in the community and in, in their in the sport baseball program. Uh and well, the way he turned that around was, and we'd had no facilities, we had nothing. I mean, you know, it was like a rec league ball field with a chain link fence. Mom and daddy could come talk to you through the <laughs> dugout, all that good stuff. And you're sitting there watching ball games and, and he's just begging people to come play the game. And, and now what we have in mm-hmm. Calvary is I would, I would say, you know, I think last year we had between <coughs> our middle school and high school program, we had 67, 68 young men that are a part of our program. Um We run, um, multiple teams throughout our high school program to be able to build experience, and we do it under the commitment that we will, we will, if you, if you will work hard at this game, we will help you get seen so you can play at the next level. Oh, so we get a lot. I would, I would probably estimate probably sixty five percent or more of our players um, are at our school because of the opportunity to play baseball and the opportunity to p- potentially play at the college level or see how far they can go in this game. But what we love is they may be coming to a school like Calvary, because, and that's how we're able to mm-hmm. provide value because there's 225 high school students in the entire school and we play against teams. We'll go down to, um, if you've ever heard of IMG, IMG of Academy, we go down to their tournament each year, each of the last two years and we play there at their tournament and we may be playing schools with 16, 17, 1800 or more students in their high school and we're playing these teams and we're able to compete with them and, and at times beat some of them. Um, and the way we're able to do it is we, we do have the ability because of our reputation over time to, to get high-quality athletes in. But our goal is to bring them in. They're high-quality athletes who want to play college baseball, and we want to trick them in a sense that we want them to see how much God loves them and he's got a plan for them. And if we can show them that, they're, they're not only going to be better athletes, but they're going to be kind of life changers. You know, We're trying to build disciples, like, like Jonathan said, uh, on the baseball field.
2: I don't want – hold on, J.K. i got to go down a rabbit hole here because this (laughs) one is – I'm something I'm passionate about. Yeah. And that is that you helping people see beyond their role on your team to a potential future life Mm -hmm. is what I think part of the definition of a coach is. Yes. I've seen great high school play callers. I've Mm -hmm. seen great people who are good at developing players into position players but they lack the ability to develop the character, the quality of the human being, and therefore the capability to move on to the next level. It sounds like y'all are
0: doing all of those things. To the best of our ability, it is something that we try to enhance every year to be better. And it's actually a little scary at times because we're like, hey, we have a huge responsibility here and a huge opportunity. We don't want to do anything to mess it up in any way. Mm-hmm. I think it's the strength behind FCA. Jonathan's talking about how it's it's, it's volunteer led. I think our coaches are what really in our community drive FCA because when a coach sees the value, they have such an influence with their teams and their mm-hmm. programs that when they see the value, their their players, their students see the value, and it um and when they see that a coach's life is is founded on these principles, then they move to that. And you're right, we've seen people come and go in life who are great coaches, X's and mm-hmm. O's, do a fantastic job. And what what makes me cringe sometimes is because I will meet people who will tell me, you know, I remember my high school coach, and he was great, he was a sorry son of a gun, blah, 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 <laughs> but I looked at it later in life, and it made me better. Well, we lead a Bible study for um, coaches. So we do a Bible mm-hmm. study for coaches, and FCA helps sponsor that. So we're we're in room with And I cringe because I don't want to stand in front of God one day and say, I made them better in spite of me instead of I made them better because of me. You know, I want to be able to say, yeah, I don't want you to be better because I was so hard on you and such a turd that you just had to figure out how to become a man on your own. No, I want to, I want to be real with you. I want to be truthful and I'm going to push you to be the best. And when you, when you do well, I'll tell you, when you, when you need an adjustment, I'll tell you. But at the end of the day, I don't want you to ever doubt that you're love, that you matter because you're not going to believe that there's a God who loves you until you believe there's a coach that loves you.
2: Mm. I can speak to that. I truly had an incredible football and track coach, the same man. Uh, we prayed before every mm. game. Uh, you know, we, it was not kind of the over, uh, you know, the top talking about Christ in the locker room, uh, but there were a lot of life principles and life lessons that were taught as opposed to what you mentioned earlier with someone who really was a son of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, I look back on that and feel like mm-hmm. I'm a better person and better was more capable of. Of understanding other human beings, because of that experience, and so thank you to you
0: for what you're doing
2: for these young men, because that is so powerful.
0: Well, thank you. I, I had some of that as well. Charles Flowers, Coach Flowers, who's in the Hall of Fame, I he coached me when when he was at the beginning of his career, and this is a man who does full time um, ministry type work now because um, he just sees the value in it. And he early on in his he, he would inspire us and grow us, and he he was like a uh, I, if not a father figure, he was definitely a big brother. You did not want to disappoint, uh, but but, but, he, but he loved you and he and he was there for you. And we knew it. We knew he cared. Well, I will tell
2: you a quick funny side story. Chico Lynch, who was my coach, uh, we were out and all of us had come back to Brookstone and our children were playing at Brookstone. And he had gone from being the varsity coach down to coaching fourth and fifth grade kids uh, just as a volunteer And we all stood on the field, and uh, I had several of the players come over to me as we heard him yell out the same way he did when we were growing up. And every one of us said we cringed at the thought of disappointing him and that voice that we (laughs) heard uh, that was so ominous to our lives and to everything else, so I can appreciate exactly what you're saying. All right, J.K., we're going to turn it back to you for a minute. And uh, to get us started there, talk a little bit about the sports memory or memories that really resonate most with you. It was
1: interesting. When you asked the question, you said the great sports memories, and so I started thinking of them. And the the reason that I come back to sports is not because of the great, but because of the worst. Oh, interesting. And it was because of really placing my entire identity into the sport to begin with. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, growing up, I started playing sports at eight um, and didn't have an athletic bone in my body. Um, But I also, growing up, was not someone who necessarily was included in a lot of groups. Um, I would even be bold enough to say I didn't have a ton of friends growing up, especially in those early years. And um, I mean, I started playing sports and when I... Um hit a growth spurt, you know, in middle school and was 6'2. I don't know how much I weighed. I still wear the same middle school clothes sometimes nowadays <laughs> and I'm
2: 6'2, 240. <laughs> but
1: um, I ended up getting pretty decent um at sports. And what I found was through sports, um I and through the platform of sports and the popularity that it that sports has, um, I gained that popularity and gained community. Um, but what the enemy did mm. is he put it in my head saying Hey, remember how it felt before you had this quote-unquote popularity? Um, remember how it was before you didn't play sports? Now you're playing sports, and um, you've got friends, you've got status, and I'm not tooting my own horn. This is just a part of how my sports mean to me, really in a negative way that God brought into a positive. Um, but I believed. I believed the devil. I believe that my whole worth was in sports because before i started playing mm-hmm. sports i believed that i had no worth um and that's not because i didn't have people who loved me or care about me that's just because i believed the lies that the enemy was telling me and so i can think of great sports memories but the thing that really um held me um, captive were the bad ones um and you know the devil would tell me hey you think it's uh, you think you've got friends, you think people care about you now, go out there and throw a couple interceptions, see how people feel about you. Mm. And I believed that. And that led me to signing to play college football um at the quarterback position and then never showing up. Um, because this void that I had in, in my life, I didn't really I believed in God in my entire life, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't realize that it was a relationship yeah. with God that, you know, fills that void. Um, and so I put a band over a bullet hole with sports forever. And when I realized that, you know, the anxiety, the sports anxiety, severe sports anxiety, I'd have to take medication before games. It was extremely severe. When I realized that this can't be it, this can't be what's filling this void, I ripped the band off, but instead of replacing it with God and the relationship with him, I went off to the University of West Georgia, which is not where I was committed to play football, and tried to fill that void with partying, with um, really excessive drinking, uh, recreational drugs, um, other people's opinions. And that led me down a really um, tough road, literally, to where um, October 26, 2014, I was driving a vehicle going 60 miles per hour up for 60 plus hours. I'm at a pleasure treat, but I fell asleep at the wheel and going 60 miles per hour, no seatbelts on. We just did a pleasure treat camp and we had axes, hatchets, all that in the car. And as the road was going this way, we kept going straight and that led to our car going into the woods off a cliff, split a telephone pole into multiple pieces and landed in front of these two trees that were the perfect distance between my left and my right tire. Um, I didn't realize that at the time because I was, I'll be honest, I was so focused on not getting um, legal trouble. And so the first thing we do is I grab the fraternity flag, stick it down my pants, and I'm running up um, the hill because we were 50 yards down in this canyon, um, cliff-looking area. And I talked to the sheriff of Carrollton, and he tells me that this was the worst car accident he's seen in his 13 years. And it was at that moment really the only time in my entire life. I can't explain it, but I heard God speaking to me into my heart. It wasn't like I heard this audible voice. It was like it was programmed into my soul, him saying, can you hear me now? And I just remember staring off into the distance and seeing all the destruction and um, just breaking down into tears. And I always tell people I realized everything without knowing anything. And that was the redemption that Christ gives me. I was chasing the wind and he was chasing me the entire time. And I was so stubborn not to turn around. He used that opportunity to where all I could do was surrender. And it wasn't until I came back home and I picked up this Bible. I've tons of Bibles in my life, but I never read them. I always thought the Bible was a book of laws or boring, or I'll get to it one day. And I'm very analytical. So when you, almost dying, I wanted to realize, you know, what would have happened if I did die. And I remember picking it up and couldn't put it down. I mean, I read it cover to cover in six months, and I realized that this is a love story. And the reason why sports are so important to me is because there's so many people um, out there in the world who have the same thought process as I did. Um, as a high school student. Um, and I just know the emptiness that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And I know the fulfillment that comes, you know, when you surrender and you allow Jesus uh, to be the the Lord and Savior of your life and you just get that joy to where, like you mentioned earlier, sports are temporary. Mm-hmm. This whole world is temporary. I mean, everything in this world is temporary. And why place your identity into something that is temporary? or will fail you because sports will certainly fail you. Um, I mean, it's inevitable from time to time to fail. I mean, you coach baseball, you got a 300 batting average, you fail seven times out of 10 and you're very successful. Yeah, You know, so failures, failures are part of sports. So why place your worth into something that is temporary or will fail you when you can place your worth into the eternal victory that Jesus brings us that no matter what you're victorious, not because anything we did, but because of, what he did, defeating death on the cross. And um, really just with my testimony in sports and the platform that sports has, I just feel like it's an amazing, if we utilize the platform of sports properly, I mean, we can do so many great things for God's glory um, and an advancement of his kingdom. I think of Billy Graham, who said a coach has the opportunity, um, has more influence in one season than the average person does in an entire lifetime. I truly Mm. believe that. Mm.
2: That is a powerful story and a powerful testimony. Obviously, you had a near-death experience. You you walked away from it. Mm -hmm. You knew God was at the center of that, and it turned your whole life around. How did your family and mom react to this? I mean, you know, mama's have a whole different perspective on things. And I mean, to know that you came as close to dying as you did, you know, how did your story impact your family?
1: It's funny. I, I remember, um, going back to, uh, the, our college dorm, I guess I should go ahead and say first that miraculously, nobody was severely injured. We probably should have went away in an ambulance, but like I said, none of all of us were like, no, we are not (laughs) getting in trouble today. We don't need your services. And, um, the the paramedics were not too happy about that, but I I remember going back to my dorm. Keep in mind, I, I'm still exhausted. I've been up for sixty hours, and I'm actually in the shower, and I pass out in the shower. Oh, wow! And I wake up to banging on the door, and so I get out, and then my mom's right there. I have no idea how my why, how my mama was there because I didn't tell her. Yeah. Um, but she found out through the grapevine, I guess, and that was a very emotional. Moment, um, and I, I, you know, I just think what I'm so grateful for is uh, God. You know, in that in that predicament where the enemy intended evil, God made for good. Um, I just think that the transformation that God worked in my life also um, started working in my family's life yes. as well. And realizing that, you know, because we all believed in God, but, you know, in the book of James it says, you believe great, even the demons believe and they tremble in fear. And I just know my lifestyle, I'll speak for myself. I believe, so great, um, but I wasn't trembling in fear, in adoration of God. If anything, I was spitting in his face, you know, metaphorically. Um, and man, I, j- I just think when we got from that point of, just a belief in religion to relationship and, and ver- truly accepting the the love that um, God has for us has really changed family uh, dramatically.
2: That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that's a, a deep and, uh, and personal story, one that you've put out there uh, as a part of your uh, testimony, but uh, powerful and uh deeply personal nonetheless. Um, So we've talked a little bit about you guys individually. I'd love to talk a little bit as kind of foreshadowing where we're going to go here, talk a little bit Mm -hmm. about your impact on coaches and then talk ultimately about your impact on students and on kids. And so, um, you know, as you think about the values you're trying to instill that Jesus is trying to instill in these coaches that are a part of FCA, what are you guys looking to, for first and foremost, speak to the heart of these coaches, and what values are you trying to get them to persist in being, and saying, and doing in their teams and for them as coaches. Sure, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I just I love that you said the heart of a coach. Our our strategy as a ministry is to and through the coach, because um, like what we talked about with Billy Graham earlier. I mean, we we really focus on targeting the coach. Um, Because without the coach, yeah. you don't have the players. Mm-hmm. Um, And so allowing that coach to realize the influence that um, him or her has just on their team, you know, uh, a team to where they would a lot of the times spend more opportunities with them than they do their own families. So, you know, in retrospect, almost like their own small family um, it, it is incredible. But really the... The values, our core values that we look to instill through the coaches and then to and through them to the athletes, they're serving um, integrity, teamwork, and excellence. Um, those are actual FCA's uh, values, but I think the, I think just to simplify it, it just goes back to, um, you know, the command that God gives us. I think a lot of people, just in general, not even coaches like how I was getting wrapped up in, oh, there's so many rules, there's so many laws, but realizing that we can take every law that was ever written and break them down into the Ten Commandments. And then we can take the Ten Commandments and simplify mm-hmm. them like Jesus did into two simple concepts. And if we do these and we fail at them daily, including myself, we all do, um, and that's love God and love people, if we truly, truly um, even really know what those words mean and, and strive to, um fulfill that then we essentially fulfill the law um in its entirety realizing that we know that we cannot mm-hmm. um but that is the main thing um that we do is use those core values that we spoke of earlier but it all just comes down to love and not um you know we, we were actually just had an event today and did a devotion about love and allowing especially in the sports con you know context love is not I don't even know how to say this without saying love is not weak. I'll just say it like that. Um, You know, Christ, when he demonstrated love for us, his uh, crucifixion on the cross, there was nothing weak about that. And so just allowing coaches to realize that, hey, there is strength and vulnerability. There is strength in love, and love is the most powerful concept in the world. Yeah, and
0: I I think, you know, our goal is not to— build a relationship with the coaches so that we can have an opportunity to speak to the young people. Our goal is the coaches, because the the reality is this, the devil only has so many tools in his toolbox, right? And, and, and those coaches are going through the same thing, putting their identity into their coaching, putting their identity into their successes and whatever the same way. And so we're wanting to, first of all, Hey man, who are you? Give me your why behind your what, you know, I understand what you do. But man, we can learn a lot if we can figure out your why. Why do you do what you do? Do you play out of fear?
1: Mm-hmm. Or
0: do you play out of passion and love as, a, as an ambassador carrying a flag, a banner for God? You know, and there are a lot of coaches out there that are just like the students. They're hurting. They're lost. They're empty. They they want to know the answer. And here's the reality we can get, we can go past the coaches, but the coaches to me are our goal. We can go past the coaches and get to the students and we'll add. But coaches multiply. You know, that coach, when that coach's Mm -hmm. life has changed, he can't help it. Jonathan says that, you know, I'll go in and speak to a school and I have passion and conviction and I can speak to these players, but I don't know them. When a coach puts his arm around you, your coach puts his arm around you and tells you, "I'm, I'm proud of you. I see something in you. I sympathize for you. I know what you're going through. I heard about your mom. I heard about your brother. I heard about that. And it matters, man. That changes everything because it's that relationship. We're, we're starving. That's the whole. The, the whole is we're all starving for relationships, and the ultimate relationship is a relationship with Christ. And when you figure that one out, everything flows from that. And when coaches figure that out and when coaches get to that place, it, it breaks my heart. It's one of the reasons we started doing a coach's Bible study is it breaks my heart because I think we have coaches in our communities that that leave coaching because of difficulties. Mm -hmm. before they ever realized their potential, their value, or ever realized who it was that was playing them and why they were leaving. Because the enemy will do anything he can. He understands the influence of coaches, and he'll take Mm -hmm. some great people with great Mm -hmm. hearts and try to get them to quit the game before they ever realize why they're even in the game. Mm -hmm. So... I love the
2: addition versus multiplication that you just talked about there. That is such a powerful analogy that makes just crystal clear when you say it, a blinding glimpse of the obvious, um, but a great statement, and it really speaks to what y'all are
0: doing. There are a lot of coaches in our community who are doing that too. I tell you, there are some that are – it's just amazing. You don't hear it in the news. You don't get to know about it. But they are successful programs or programs maybe you've never even heard of where they're having incredible um, just victories and in, in, in young people um, getting, winning and getting purpose and, mm-hmm. and accepting Christ. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I
2: would imagine that as you've talked about, you have coaches, coaches only meetings in addition to coaches and player meetings. What are you focused on when you get the coaches together? Is it really transforming them into leaders? Is it also community based? Are you trying to get them to know each other and help Mm. each other? Talk for a minute, if you would, J.K., about what's the goal of that coaches-only conference or meeting that you're having and what you're trying to really communicate to them in that and what benefit they're trying to garner from it.
1: Yep. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, um, you know, that personal relationship with them um, and building them up and allowing them to realize how valuable they are, Um, even if they – Quick coaching today, just how valuable you are as a human being, um, and how much God loves you. But a huge part of it is just building that community, um, community of like-minded people together rallying around one purpose. Um, and that's to utilize the platform that God has given you um to advance his kingdom and glory and glorify him, bring glory to him. Um, I think a lot of the times just in culture in general, we can think of church as a building of bricks. Um, when in reality, it's a body of believers. Um, we need the bricks to be able to host church, but really, when one or two are gathered, you know, church is in session. And um, not saying at all that uh, that they shouldn't be plugged into the local body of Christ. That's our sole purpose in doing that. But allowing like-minded. People in particular, coaches that we're talking, just get together and share their struggles, share their wins. I think that's a, a thing that we need to do more of: is share our wins, share our successes. Um, and and it's not the wins aren't just the X's and O's. I think some of the most powerful coaches in the, our community are coaches who do not get a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. We've got some coaches I could just rally names off who are just changing lives for eternity. Yes and aren't winning a game. Wow. Um, but they know that they know they're calling, they know their um, their purpose. And, you know, really just to answer your question, I think it's a little bit of both. But if you can create that community and allow coaches to realize, hey, you're not alone in this. You know, we're going through this together. Because I think that's what the enemy will try to do as well is create division. Um, I mean, that's a tactic from the beginning. Uh, but like how you said, we were created for relationships you know he knows that so he's going to do whatever he can to yeah. make it to where we isolate ourselves yeah, and say so um you know i'm the only person going through this or i'm the only you know you wouldn't understand but then when we are able to get together and talk and be vulnerable and build one another up um we see that a lot of the things that we're going through um, are are very similar
0: yeah it's easy as a coach to get isolated it's easy as a coach a lot of coaches feel alone they feel like you know i it's me against everybody else. It's competition, you know. So you you don't get to know some of the people on the other side of the of the field a lot of the times. But it's important um, to come together, and and the enemy would love for, to keep them isolated, keep them alone. And what you find out there's such a synergy when when they get when we get together and just have community together. It, it is um, it's fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Obviously you all have chosen sports as the venue or conduit to go after these coaches and young men. That is isn't one method that you can use in the world of trying to spread Christ's message. Talk for a minute about what are the difficulties in using sports as a means to get to these coaches and athletes? What are some of the challenges you face? Uh, that you might not face through other means or that really are unique to sports in cu- cutting through and getting the message to these coaches and students?
1: I think really one of the the major challenges, really for us as a ministry, I, I'll sort of answer this in two ways. The first one is realizing that FCA, although it's targeted towards athletes, if you have an FCA at the school, just because you don't play sports does right. not mean that you're not able to participate. FCA's definition of an athlete is anyone who can walk or put a shoe on. I'm sorry. Anyone who can put a shoe on. If you can't do that, anyone who can wear a wristband. And if you can't do that, I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, Mm -hmm. you do not have to be involved in structured athletics to participate um, in FCA. Uh, FCA just targets athletics because – what a better platform when you look at the popularity of sports and the way that we idolize sports, what a better opportunity to utilize that if you do it properly um, to glorify God and advance his kingdom. Um, So that's one way of answering the question. But immediately what came to mind was, um, you know, just like my story and only focusing on the X's and O's and my identity, it's, as far as the identity purpose goes, wherever I place my identity in, I'm going to be in that twenty four seven. So I'm not going to have time, you know, to wake up and go to an FCA or stay after practice because I'm just solely focused on my sport um, and nothing and nothing else. That's probably the best way that I can answer that is just allowing, um, allowing coaches, allowing students to realize that all of this, like we talked about earlier, sports temporary. Um, even this world is temporary, and when you just place your whole worth into that, you know God values us so much why 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 do we do that? Why do we place our identity into something that's temporary or that can fail you because we know where that leads us all yeah um instead of placing it into the eternal victory that um, he brings us because in life, even if you don't play sports, uh, you know our goal is victory, and regardless of whatever it is um, in life that you're doing, we want to win mm-hmm. um And man, what a better way to wake up every single day knowing that you're victorious no matter what happens. I think a lot of people have the misconception that when you give your life to Christ, everything's just lucky charms and rainbows. Mm -hmm. That's certainly not correct. Mm -hmm. Um, It just means that when you go through the bumps and battles and the trials and tribulations, you count it all as joy knowing that regardless of it all, you have victory. I think that's just something— very special.
0: Yeah. I I, th- I think one of the biggest challenges that I see in it is the identity. It is the everybody wants to put their identity in something, mm-hmm. whether you're whether you're a musician, whether you're in the arts, whether you're what whatever it is that, that you have a passion towards you. It's real easy. Uh, you know, to put your identity in whatever it is you have a passion towards, you're good at, and in and in sports, I think one of the things we dig, deal with the most is the identity crisis, and it's not just the athletes; their parents get all in the game. Oh, I mean, their, parents, <laughs> their parents, you know they they place their identity in their child mm-hmm. and how well their child is doing, and and I have I have kidded with um, faculty and and, and administrators of, of various schools and said, you know. We can talk about all the reasons why why kids move from this school to that school, but but let let sports get involved and watch how quickly a parent will move a child from one place to another or what have you because of a sporting opportunity because they're upset with a coach or because they're this because they think their child's going to be the next so and so and so and so, and it's it's amazing and 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 it, it it can be, it for us we use it as an opportunity to come come be a part of a great program and then we're going to tell you that God loves you and He's got a plan. However. Those kids, man, they, it's, it's hard. It's a, they're, they're, they're set up to fail when the, when they place their identity in anything other than Christ, they're set up to fail. And our job is to show them that, but through sports, you get a lot of insecurity and a lot of ego, uh, around how good you are. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you said something that really sparked a question in me that unfortunately is negative, but I, I have to ask. Yeah what do you tell a student who's playing for a coach whose priorities and thoughts are in all the wrong direction at this time? Hmm. You know, how, how do you advise them? Because you talked about, yeah, leaving schools, you talked about transferring programs and sometimes that can be a childish and immature reaction to things that they just should be dealing with from a character building standpoint. But then there are other situations where, You honestly just have a coach who may not be for this period of their lives in the right headspace and mindset. And so how do you talk to a student
0: about dealing with a situation like that? That's a really good question. And that's one we deal with a lot because for a lot of our players, we're not the last stop. You know, We're a stop along the way, and we don't know what's going to be next for them and you can go be a part of another program, whether you transfer to another high school for whatever reason, move to another city, or whether you go off to college and play, I don't know what that environment's going to be like. Mm. So I, I tell them all the time, you got to know who you are. You got to know mm. who God's called you to be, because you may be walking at, at a place like Calvary, you could argue that at times it's easier, you're going with the current so it's, 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 it's a little easier. I can float with this current. I can actually chill a little bit and still be in a good environment. I don't have to worry about all the things that can go wrong. Cause it's, 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 there's not as much of it around I me. Mean, now there's still issues and things like that, that can happen. But you can go into another environment where you're walking against the current all the time. You may be the only one who believes what you believe. You may be the only one who has the kind of values that you have and your coaches don't even share your values and they don't even appreciate your values. And you're having to walk in that environment. And the, and the key is this, we're called to be light. And I, and I tell, I tell my player, I have a son who, who plays college ball right now. And, and, and I've told him and I tell so many of my players, you better know who you are. And you better know why you do what you do. And you're called to go in environments a lot of times and just be like, you may be misunderstood. But what I would tell you is, is when you, when you see people who are, maybe their coaches don't get it and they're, and they're not there. If you know God's called you there for a reason, and you've prayed about it, there's a whole process I use for that. We'll talk about that some other time, but whole process, and you know you're supposed to be there, then you can rest in the fact that God has you there for a reason. And if he has you there for a reason, then you go live that out every day. But, but, but it's not as easy as some of those other things. But the goal shouldn't be to remove them out of those environments and put them in the better environments all the time, because they may be the one that can change it. Uh, they may be the one that can make, and you're going in saying, "My life. This is proof that it's bigger than sports." Because right now, it's all about ministry, and it may be handling successes in front of others, and it may be handling failure in front of others.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, I I really got spun on my head on that one. I love your answer, <laughs> and uh, I love to think about a young man or a young woman. Mm being in a place where they can be the heart of the ministry to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that is, thank you for that insight and that beautiful picture you painted just there. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, I could sit here and talk all day, and I think our audience would love more and more, but we've come to a place that we're kind of close to the end of our time. And so I have to ask one last question, and that is something that's at the heart of what we do here, which is what does redemption mean to you? Mm -hmm. And how has God's redemption of you had an impact in your life?
1: Really, the term redemption, to me, um, the first thing I think about is just the gospel. I mean, I think of restoration. I think of, um, you know, God turns the bitter into sweet. He turns the winter into spring. Um, I didn't come up with that as an actual song lyric, but I just think that, um, you know, with that term that, just the gospel. I mean, and the gospel, as complex as that we can make it um, from time to time, it really is so simple. Um, you know, God loves us so much, but because of our own um, actions, you know, if we if we allow ourselves to be accountable and we look at the world that we live in, you know, a lot of people say, how can there be a God in an evil world? Well, the, a lot of the stuff in the world is due to our own actions. Yes so if we can actually, I think we need more of that in our culture anyways, accountability. And I'm speaking to myself, um, you know, but if we just allow allow ourselves to realize that sin separates us. And so, you know, we talked about light. You know, because of that, being separated from God, there is no light. Mm. I mean, it's complete darkness. Yeah. But when you talk about the redeemed, Jesus rescues you. Yeah. He provides the light into the darkness. And then it's just our question is just... How do we respond? Mm. So that's the number one thing that I think of um, in terms of redeem.
0: You know, my answers changed over time um, because over time you, I realize more and more how much God's done for me and and that he did it out of love. Like he just loves me and um, I know me too well. I know all my failures, I know all my mistakes, I know all my shortcomings. You know, we, we talk about the successes. I can remember the failures a lot more than I can remember the successes. I can mm-hmm. I can tell you all the things that I felt like disqualified me in life. And and God tells us in his word, he says, I will I will use all things mm-hmm. for the good of those who are called according to my purpose. I'll use all things and I love that because I am walking living proof of a God who uses all things. And when I think of redeemed, I just am grateful, man. I am so grateful for a God that rescued me. He came after me. God's word says that we don't go we don't choose him. He chooses us and mm-hmm. and he came after me before I even understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. He saw the value in me and he saw enough in me to say I love you. I want you. I don't I don't I'm still trying to fully understand how much he loves me. But when I think of redeemed, you mentioned some things earlier that, that you, 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 you metaphorically spit in God's face and you didn't honor him. I just think of, you know, that may be my dad and we may be able to run around. And, and if I was a kid still, he, we'd be rolling in the grass, wrestling with my I can remember wrestling with my kids when they were little and just playing and having fun. But that is the God when he walks in. you bow, you get out and you say, you are so incredible. You were so, there's so much about you. I don't understand, but I want to thank you. And he deserves honor. He deserves praise because I'm not the person. There are people who could tell you, they could look at my story and they say, well, I knew him back when, and they can tell you who I was back when, but I'm living proof that, that, that God rescues and changes hearts and fills voids that you didn't even know could be filled, and you didn't even know what it was at one point in your life. And I'm just not the same person, and it's because of Him. And Paul talked about it, and he was talking about being redeemed, and he says, "Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I choose though to lay down my life.
1: Yeah.
0: I choose, and that's where, that's what I think of." Scott J.K., thank you for your time. Thank you. But
2: more importantly. Thank you for your love, commitment, service uh, to these young children through FCA and to these coaches. And it is just so impressive the work that you're doing, uh, both as a board member and as a director. Uh, And I'm just honored to hear about it on our show today. I know our audience is going to benefit tremendously for a lot of people out there who don't really understand what FCA does. This will be a great introduction to them and hopefully an opportunity to get involved in the community uh, and to participate in some of the wonderful things that you all do throughout the community that not are not just for students and coaches, but for the whole community at at large. Mm -hmm. Well, to our audience, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast Uh, We ask you to continue to stay engaged with the redeemed. The best way to do that is to go to our website and to sign up for our newsletter. It provides a plethora of information about how you can get engaged from small groups to our podcast, uh, to the devotionals that we're doing and uh, special events that we host. We thank you for your time today. God bless and Godspeed.
0: We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Redeemed Man podcast. We hope you come away with this episode feeling energized and better equipped to face life's challenges. Remember to subscribe to the Redeemed Man wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Above all, we hope you remember that no matter how broken you feel, God's love is for everyone and hope is within reach.